he went to Georgia Tech, and it was exciting. And he even had me come up a couple of times while my older brother was at college, and I stayed with him. And, you know, so it, he sort of got us involved with that and being fans of Tech. And, of course, I also went to school to be an engineer. I didn't go to Georgia Tech. I went to Southern Tech. I did have some classes at Georgia Tech, but engineering is just in my blood. I guess it's in my family's blood, and so it just makes sense as an engineering type person to be excited about Georgia Tech. But, you know, we're not real, we've never been super close fans of Georgia Tech. Really, if you were to ask me who was my team or my family's team, we would have told you it was the Washington Redskins. And reason being, why? Why would a guy from Georgia care anything about Washington, D.C., and their sporting teams. Well, because when, a lot of people don't know this, but I was not born in Georgia. I was born in Maryland. Both my father and my mother are from Georgia, but they had moved and they were in Washington working for the FBI when they met. And they got married and had all four of their children together in Maryland. And so then when I was very young, I think seven years old, we moved back to Georgia, which we call the exodus in our family, because we, we left what we had known all of our life, which wasn't long, granted, but at the time, you know, think about me as a young child, I left everything I knew, my friends, you know, and we moved to Georgia where everybody talked funny, and I uh, thought we talked funny, and so for us as a family, Washington was sort of one of our things. And I remember one of the earliest things, I, before I even really knew what football was or how it worked, I remember my dad and my older brother watching the games and getting excited about it, and I would get excited about it too. And so Washington just, Washington just was our thing. And we became, um, so it's sort of a sentimental thing for us, you know? why we would follow the Washington Redskins. Well, I know that there's a lot of people in this church that love sports and have their favorite team. And so I thought I was going to ask a few people today why they support the team that they support. And the very first person that came to my mind was John Adams. Because John comes in here with the uh, Packers jersey on. And I always just wonder, why would a guy that lives in Georgia, why do you care about the Green Bay Packers? Well, um, first of all, I was born in Alabama but lived there one year. Okay. My dad's from Kentucky. My mom is from northern Michigan. Upper Peninsula. They met in college in Kentucky, married, went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dad got his master's and he took a job at a church in South Alabama. That's where I was born. Okay. They moved to Dalton because Dad took a job at Grove Level and he thought if he lived here, he could drive up and interview for jobs in Kentucky and get back in a reasonable amount of time. And he thought that that would help them move back to Kentucky but that was 50 years ago. So uh, they're still here and I'm still here. Um, when I was a boy, my family would always go up for a couple weeks every summer because mom and dad both were teachers, we could get away. And we would go spend a couple weeks with my grandparents in Northern Michigan. And when you drive there, you go through Indian, Indianapolis, Illinois, Chicago, Milwaukee, go right by Green Bay to get up there, and my grandfather was a big Packers fan. Dad, being from northern Kentucky and grew up before the Cincinnati Bengals were invented, 
Mm. The closest team was Cleveland, Ohio, a state and a half away. So mm. he didn't really have a team. But my mom's family were all Packers fans. All Packers So fans. I grew up a Packers fan, and now I'm a Packers shareholder, so I'm an owner of the Packers. <laughs> all right. All right. Now, uh, none of these people knew that I was going to ask them to talk. They're just doing this on the fly here. Uh, Mr. Mike, uh, you are a Georgia Southern fan, and I know you're a big Georgia Southern fan. And Kelly's like, because I was like trying to decide, and he just happened to be closer. So he gets put on the spot today. Um, why are you a Georgia Southern fan? Uh, my older brother went to Georgia Southern. And uh, when I was in that. high school, I'd visit him, and it was just so cool to go see your older brother in college and stuff. And so I went there. And uh, while I was there, I met my beautiful bride. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we went there together. Uh, we actually worked together in, uh, at the original Zaxby's. Um, the original Zaxby's was in Statesboro. We worked together there, and that's, that's uh, how we met. And uh, since then, Max has gone there. Sam's there, so it's uh, it's just uh, we're true blue uh, Georgia Southern people. All right, one more. I got one more. I'm gonna come across here to Kay Denson because uh, you know I know that she's an old Miss fan, and I would have asked Jason, but he's too far to get to, so it falls upon you. Uh, why are you an old Miss fan? Well, I, when I grew up in New Albany, I was only about 30 miles from Oxford, where, which is uh, where the college where is. is. Okay. And I can remember I was in the first grade, and a little boy named Johnny Jones had an Ole Miss notebook, and I was so envious. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> but anyway, I just started liking it then. My brother was part of the National Guard letting James Meredith in, and I can remember sitting in my living room and my mother crying because he was over there. Uh, I really don't know. I, most of my friends went to Ole Miss. We were close to Mississippi State, too, but, you know, you just don't want to go to a cow college when you got a little class. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I just, I just thought there was nowhere else to go. And in high school, I'd drive once a week to go to Oxford and take baton lessons from yeah. Rebelettes, and it was just my place where I was supposed to be. My children, of course, everyone says, how did you get your three boys to be such diehard friends <laughs> uh, fans? And I really don't know that. But I know one year we were sitting at the ball game, and I think we were sitting with Jason and Andrea. And, of course, Aaron and all his, he's just such a clown. We lost to someone, like, by a lot. <laughs> and he sent me a text during the game, and he said, Mom, why didn't you grow up in Tuscaloosa? Preston is the only son who went there, but the other two are involved in everything. They love it as much as I do, and I have nieces and nephews that are out there that do the same thing, and I'm just a rebel. There you go. Thank you, Kay. Thank you all for sharing. Y'all give them a hand for on the spot. It's like I said, you know, I did not call them ahead of time and say, hey, here's a warning. I'm going to put you on the spot in the middle of service, and you need to talk about such and such. They just came up that on, on the fly. They knew, and they talked about it. And, and I thought, I've been thinking about how do, how do I talk about what I need to talk about today? And the Lord said, that's what you need to do. So that's what I did. I hope that you will get out of this message what you need to hear today. Because the purpose of this message today is for us to talk about how 
Christians are called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We love to support our favorite teams, and we have reasons why we support them. It's so, you know, each one of us has a sentimental attachment, and I know I could go and talk to people, person after person after person in this congregation, and you could tell me right away why you support Alabama or the Georgia Bulldogs or, or the Tar Heels or, you know, Clemson or, or whoever it is that you support, the Atlanta Braves. There's, it's easy to talk about. But today I want to talk about being a witness for Jesus. Because Jesus commanded his followers to be his witnesses. And I want to talk about three ways to be a witness for Jesus. If you are ready to learn about that, say amen. Amen. All right. I want to read from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, this is Jesus talking to the disciples after he has risen from the grave just before he ascended into heaven. And here's what he said. But you will receive power from the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The book of Acts tells the story of how the early church, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, told people everywhere about Jesus. Every Christian was telling their family and their friends and their neighbors, their co-workers about Jesus. They were even telling people who were persecuting them or arresting them or even killing them, they were telling them about Jesus. It started in Jerusalem. The followers of Jesus were telling the amazing good news that Jesus had died and yet he had rose from the grave. And the Holy Spirit enabled them to do many miracles. The first miracle that they were able to do after Christ um, ascended into heaven was to somehow supernaturally talk to people in other languages, languages that they didn't know how to speak, but they were able to speak in other people's languages, their native tongues, so that they could tell them about Jesus, tell them the good news about him, and they could understand it in their own language. No one was in need during that period because everyone loved each other. They looked after one another like they were family. They lived together and supported each other and cared for each other. It was a beautiful, beautiful movement. It was the original Jesus revolution where people were doing the things that Christ had called them to do. And it was a whole new way of living. And people were amazed by this thing that was happening. But then persecution broke out. The the temple authorities were jealous. These Christians, these were starting to grow and everybody was getting so excited about this thing that was happening among them and, and people were more interested in that than what was happening in the temple and they got jealous and they felt threatened and they started killing Christians. They started with a man named Stephen who was one of the first deacons of the church who was in charge of going out and caring for the needs of widows and orphans and those that were struggling and needed help. And uh, they pulled Stephen aside and he gave his testimony about why he was a Christian and what Jesus had done and they didn't like it and they stoned him to death. He was the very first what we call Christian martyr. 
And they began driving Christians from their homes. They began canceling their businesses. And these Christians had to actually flee from Jerusalem. Most of them left Jerusalem. But that just meant that they went out into the countryside and started telling people out in Judea about Jesus and his amazing story. And people started going even to places like Samaria and telling people about Jesus. Samaria was a country that traditionally was rivals with those who were Jews living in Jerusalem. But when Christian Jews started going out and telling them about Jesus, the Samaritans also began to believe and follow Jesus Christ. Everywhere they went, they were telling people about Jesus. And then the Christians went up into Syria and then to Turkey and told people the good news about Christ. And then they went to Greece and Macedonia and even as far as the capital city of Rome. And everywhere they went, Christians told people about Jesus. They told about his death and his resurrection. They told how Jesus had changed their lives. They told, probably a lot of them told, how they had lost everything because of their faith in Christ and they had to leave their homes and their businesses and flee. And yet they did it willingly because they believed that Jesus Christ was Lord of all. Even when talking about Jesus could get you in trouble or even killed, Christians were faithful witnesses. In fact, the Greek word for being a faithful witness is martyr. When we hear the word martyr today, we immediately think of someone who has died for their faith. But the word martyr in Greek means faithful witness. And it happened so often that these faithful Christians were telling people about Jesus that it cost them their life, that the word came to mean someone who gives their life for their faith. Well, today I want to talk about three ways to be a witness for Jesus. Sharing your love for Jesus, inviting people to church, and number three, recruiting people for Jesus. Now, it wasn't hard for me to decide who to ask about their favorite team. I knew, I knew, I just knew. I mean, immediately in my head, it popped in my head. John is a Packers fan. I need to go to him and ask him. I knew that, that Mike as a Georgia Southern fan, I knew to go to him. I knew Kay was a, a diehard Ole Miss fan, and I could go to her and talk to her about it. I knew, um, I was 95% sure, that, I, that they would not be offended <laughs> if I put a microphone in their face and put them on the spot. I said, They're gonna, they'll, they'll talk about it. They, they can do it. I, knew who, I know who follows who and cares about who. Being a witness for Jesus can be, it can be, as natural as sharing about your favorite team. I hope that your love for Jesus is something that is real and passionate and, and just part of who you are. I hope that it's so much a part of who you are that everyone knows it. Just as much as they know that you, you are a Georgia Bulldog fan or a Tar Heels fan, they know that you're a Jesus follower. Hopefully, Jesus is the most important thing in your life. And that, and that comes through ev to everyone, everywhere, all the time. It doesn't have to be hard to be a witness for Jesus. 
If you have a real relationship with him, people will know. Somehow, they will just see it. They will just see it. They will see, maybe they will see that you're wearing a cross. Maybe they'll see that you're wearing a, 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 you know, your church's t-shirt or golf shirt or whatever. They will see it. Maybe they will see that you're going to church on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night. Or they're going on a retreat with the women's group. Or they will see you serving people in a way that says that person is a Christian. And because Jesus served people, they're serving people. And somehow they will know. And I wonder, are you doing the kinds of things that show people that Jesus is your Lord? Are you being a witness? If someone came looking and really wanted to know more about what does it really mean to be a Christian, would they know to come talk to you because you're a Christian? Would they say, wow, I know, I know Catherine Brooker is a Christian, and uh, I've just seen it in her, and I really need that. I need Jesus, so I'm going to go talk to Catherine. Would they know to do that? Would they be able to look at you and say, that's the person I need to go talk to? Sometimes they'll just know it about you because they've seen it in you. Other times, you will tell them about it. You know, if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan or an Alabama fan or whatever, no one probably has to twist your arm to get you to talk about it, right? I mean, you look for reasons to bring it up in conversation. You look for reasons to talk about the game that's coming up this weekend or to celebrate that y'all won last weekend and everybody else lost, or to bemoan the fact that you didn't win, right? I mean, you look for the chance to talk about that. Are you that quick to talk about Jesus, your Lord? Do you look for reasons to tell people why you love him? Do you relish the chance to share how he's making a difference in your life? It can be so easy if you're walking with the Lord, if your priorities are right. Simply sharing your love for Jesus Christ. You're not preaching. You're not quoting Bible verses. You're just talking about your own life and how Christ is changing you. Or it can even be, it doesn't even have to be, look, look how great I am because I'm a Christian. You can talk about the things you're struggling with. You can talk about how you're struggling and how you're looking for help from Christ. The fact that you're looking to him instead of something else will speak volumes. And people will appreciate your authenticity as you share from your brokenness about how you're reaching out to Jesus. That's the first way to be a witness. The second way is not hard either. is simply to invite people to church. You know, following Jesus isn't just a private thing. We live out our faith in communities. One of the ways you can be a witness for Jesus is to invite people to experience Jesus at church in the body of Christ. We are here today for worship as a community. Here again are some of the similar, some similarities with sports fans. 
Being a fan of a certain team means being part of a community, right? You're not a, you're not a, a Ole Miss fan all by yourself. There's, there's thousands, maybe millions of other fans out there, right? I mean, you get together with other fans. You watch the game, and there's a whole community. It can be electric to be in the stands with thousands of other cheering fans, all rooting for the same team. Or how many of you have gotten together with your friends to watch the game? Or even if you watch the game all by yourself and you're all alone, there's still this sense that you are part of something bigger than yourself. You are, even if you're by yourself, you know that there are thousands and thousands of other fans that are out there doing the same thing. And if you want your friends to really experience what it's like to be a fan of your team, you might invite them to go to a game with you. Or you might invite them to come over and watch the game with some other friends because there's a community aspect of it. And the same is even more true for Christians. If you want people to experience the risen Jesus, you might want to invite them to church. You might want to invite them to some gathering of Christians, whether it's church or whether it's a where you're together and you're experiencing Christ in a community with other believers. Yes, your relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not only personal. It's something that takes place with other people. Stories about Jesus always took place in a group setting. You ever notice that? When you're reading through Matthew during your challenge, look how many times what you're reading about is happening. And when he was transfigured and he was gloriously shown in his white robes and, and uh, Moses and Abraham were there with him, he did that in front of Peter, James, and John. It was a group of people. The Last Supper, the last meal that he had, he shared with all of the disciples. Even Judas was, the, was there with them, the one that betrayed him. And when Jesus rose, he appeared to hundreds of people, often in groups. Christians experience the love of God in many different ways. And sometimes you experience the love of God all by yourself in some tender, private times. But most often, it is when you are with other Christians. You fully experience the love of Christ when we are in a group of people. How many of you have experienced the love of Christ by the kind word of someone in church? Or by how they, like Ron said, they prayed for you, they prayed for your sister, they sent you a card or gave you a call or brought you a, a, a chicken casserole. Whatever it is, we experience the love of Christ through other people. And if you want to be a witness, bring people into that situation where they're experiencing that love. We learn in groups. We worship as a body. We feel God's love and we serve each other in groups. Just as Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. He made a point to say that. Now, does that mean that if you're all by yourself, Jesus is not there? No, of course not. 
Yes, he's there. But there's something so much more real and tangible about Jesus' presence when we're together. And if you want to invite people to experience Jesus, bring them to the sacred, essential gatherings of the Christian community. We are the body of Christ. There's one more way to be a witness that I want to talk about. I, I don't know any other way to put it except it's recruiting. <laughs> it's recruiting people. Sometimes you just got to be direct. Sometimes the situation calls for it. Sometimes all it takes is, hey, come to church with me. But recruiting could also mean, hey, my church is packing some lunches for the school next door. Could you come help, help us with that? Why not recruit? Again, we go back to the sports analogies. In order to build a winning college team, Coaches have to get out there and find the best high school athletes, and they have to convince them to come to Old Miss instead of uh, Georgia, right? They got to get out there and do that. And they willingly do it because they want their team to be successful. So they'll get out there and they will do all kinds of things um, to try to get people to come. But it's not just the coaches that's doing the recruiting. How many of you went to Georgia or Old Miss or, or Alabama or Georgia Southern or Georgia Tech? And how many of you have encouraged someone else to go to that school? I know that Laurie and Mike are just thrilled to death that both of their sons went to Georgia Southern. That's, I'm, that's like a tr family tradition now, right? So now the pressure's going to be on for the grandkids. Are they going to do it too? I mean, you love your school, and, and you it's not just that you love your school. You, you hear of someone that wants to go to college, and, and maybe they're going to study something, and you know that your school has a great program. It's got a great nursing program, or it's got a great engineering program, or law school, or whatever. And you're going to be like, hey, I went to the this college, and it was a great experience, you should go too. And you're going to be, <laughs> you're not getting paid anything to do that, but you want to recruit for your school. If we believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, if we believe that he is, is absolutely essential in our life, if we have seen how he's made a difference for us, I hope that we will be recruiting some people to be part of that, don't you? We'd be doing them a favor. It's not like we're tricking them into doing something. It's not like we're selling them something. We are offering them life and hope and peace and love that is incredible. So why not? Some people out there, a personal struggle, a spiritual struggle that you are dealing with, something that you are praying to Jesus and hoping that Jesus will help you through? Or could it be that you might share with them a way that you are growing spiritually? You're celebrating a victory because of something that Jesus has done in your life. Could you in, simply invite them to come to church or on a, some retreat that you have planned or 
Sunday school or Bible study or something else that, that where they are gathering with the body of Christ. Maybe you could ask them to pray with you. Um, how many of you go out to eat lunch with a group of people from work? Some people I know do that like every Wednesday. They go out and have lunch or they have Taco Tuesday. It could be as simple, simple as, as, as starting a new tradition and say, Hey guys, hey gals, could we bless the meal together before we eat it? That's a witness. Is there someone you know who needs to pray to accept Jesus? So my challenge is just start with a list. Start with a list of people. Write their names down on a piece of paper or in the cover of your Bible or something. Write it down and then pray that God would show you how you could be a witness to them. And then be open. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and empower you just like he did the Christians in Acts to be a witness for Jesus. 